Welcome to Chatman and Robin. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. And we took a bye week, but we're back, and we're back on a Wednesday, which is nice. So, um... Look at us go. I know. One Wednesday in a row. <laughs> One Wednesday in a row. It's our streak. <laughs> uh, next week, it'll be two Wednesdays in a row, unless we don't do it again, in which case, we'll be... Like, never do it again? Ashamed and suck. I don't know. Oh. Um, so, hey, what have you been up to lately? Anything fun or exciting? Man. You are loaded to the gills with projects. I've got right a lot now. of projects, but it's also been a lot of um, like family stuff going on too. It's yeah, it's been an intense like two weeks. But like, what sort of pro- can you talk about the projects you're doing or no? I can a little bit. Um, one of them was just a commission um, for um, original paintings for birthday presents for family for someone. Um, And the other one is a largest project that I'm doing with uh, a friend of mine, actually, um, not some random person, um, doing book illustrations. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I am in the process of recording an audio sample so that that maybe I'll be doing uh, like part-time sporadic freelance work reading science fiction stories and audiobooks and things like that. Uh, and then I'm revising four short stories that I've written to to be my next boop, like boop. crop of send mm-hmm. out stuff. We um, uh, we skipped our our first thing. No, it's thing. not our first thing. That's just our first segment. So I just wanted to catch up with you and see how things were going. Oh. And then I was going to ask you. Then we get into it. Okay. Or whenever you know, like the segments can come when they come. No, ask me. Ask me. Okay, bird. What are you drinking? Water. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Max. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking, uh, I don't have the bottle in front of me, but it's some sort of Spanish tempranillo. It's a red wine. Um, I got it from Meyer. You know, yeah, I've always, we were talking about it the other day. I, Meyer has. Paso e paso. Paso e paso. So it's paso e paso tempranillo. It's a state bottled, which is just, (laughs) means something. Ooh, this is boozy. 14% alcohol. A lot of French wines are only 12. It's a 2016. Um, yeah, and it's a product of Spain. It's it's good. I like it. it but uh, Bird is correct. Bird postulated earlier or noted earlier that it smells like exactly the type of wine she hates. Oh, she's trying it on mic. What do you think? Would you describe it as full bodied? <laughs> it's a. It is exactly. It's not. It's Horrible. not a. It's not a bird wine. Uh, the only red Very wine. Alcoholy. Other than Blau Frankish, the only red wine that we've ever run into that you like was uh, that Cotillon that you picked out for me. I'm surprised me. that you said that you didn't think that was dry because my tongue was immediately like, Aah! Oh, it's a little dry, but it's not. This isn't like that bone dry, um, that like super, super bone dry, like Cab Franc and, and stuff like that. But, um, or that rosé that we had at Christmas time. Mm, so good. But anyway, so I'm drinking a temperature. We didn't have a rosé at Christmas. Yeah, we did. Oh, I brought that yeah, French rosé. We got a, like a liter, a giant, almost like a two liter bottle of it. Like the fucking most magnum <laughs> wine bottle I've ever seen in my life. Mm. <laughs> it took like five people to drink it empty. And we were working. Um, so this week, 
We are back to Lost Girls, as well, I'm glad we're sticking with it. Um, oh, so we should probably open this book up, hey? Yeah, I got the bookmark in the okay, chapter we're supposed to go to. I think it's right here. The creepy old man head? Yes. So we are doing uh, Lost Girls <laughs> by Alan Moore and Melinda Gebby. Uh, we're in book two now, chapter 13 and 14 this week. Chapter 13 is called Contrary Wise, or um, as I have subtitled it. Meanwhile, back with the dull old asshole. Mm. Um, so, yes. This is basically the mirror image of the story that we just read about his wife. It is, and it, uh, the panels are set up exactly the same as I, well. I have that note as well. The panels are the exact same layout, and the conceit is the same too, mm-hmm. which is the four panels showing us what's happening, and then a tall panel of um, the the pornographic books, or what is it, the Das Buch, what? Das Weißbuch. Is what, uh, what's his name? The White Book. The White Book, yeah, the little white. Auf Deutsch. Auf Deutsch, the little white smut books. Um, the dynamic I noticed is even similar. You, uh, We have uh, an emboldened, same sex, dominant partner who is breaking down a sexually repressed, sexually timid, shy um, bore, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we have these two. It's weird because it shows seeing these two issues, you kind of get the sense that the Potters are like two sexual, two really timid sexual submissives married to each other, and they're oh. both so like, and also both heavily repressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to ask you is, after reading this, we've kind of hinted around that maybe Mister Potter is gay or mm-hmm. gay or bi, right? And now. He is one or the other of those, most definitely. We've seen it explicitly. He's de- he's not straight. Mm-hmm. But which do you think it is? Oh, boy. Um, like, context I clues. No, I'm kind of thinking gay. I think he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. And but if Especially he, with the whole, like, I have to be super masculine and talk about battleships all the time. That seems kind of fitting. Like, overcompensating, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Because of all the yeah. gay men I know, I've never met one who talks about battleships. Although well, a I lot mean, of them are raving currently about qu- the new season of Queer Eye on Netflix. Oh oh, I watched guys. another episode while you were gone. No, fuck <laughs> you. Oh my God, we have to go back. If you guys aren't watching it, Qu- uh, Queer Eye season two is on Netflix and it's fucking amazing. I bawled episode one and two. Yeah, I uh, I didn't cry much during season one. I was like, I loved season one too. I got sucked right into it with you. I'm like, huh, watching, watching Queer Eye again? Well, I'm just going to sit down right next to you here on the couch and I mean, I'll... Can we watch another one? <laughs> Can we watch another one? But these two first episodes, like, yeah. we were just passing Kleenex back and we forth. Were, oh, my yeah. God. It's so good. Um, but, yeah. So, it, I <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of funny wordplay in these two issues that we read for today. My favorite, I think my... F- one of my favorite examples is bottoms up on the first page. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> when he says it's peculiar, but uh, uh, who's this? What's this guy's name? I always forget. Rolf. Rolf. Uh, the because he makes me want a Rolf. Remember, <laughs> both of them make you want a Rolf. So you don't like any of the men in this. You wish that this was just a purely. Um, I don't know. The hotel guy seems cool. He's kind of fun. I like the character of Lord Henry and Dorian Gray from uh, the White Book as well. I think I think the way Alan Moore t- spins his Dorian Gray mm-hmm. tale is amazing. The writing in this is really really strong. Next issue too. Both of these issues, um, both of these issues, Alan Moore is just knocking it out of the park. I think Melinda Gebby, as far as the art goes, I think this issue is really 
strong. But I think, uh, oh no, the, yeah, I'm sorry, I was thinking of issue 14. I think this is my favorite of her singular pieces of artwork, not as a total issue, but. Oh, th- there's a specific panel in here. Several that's your specific favorite. Pa- oh, okay. Basically, it's all of the panels from the smut that she's putting in there. Just. Okay. Just so, outrageously beautiful. The artist that she is uh, doing in here, kind of miming, is Egon Sheila. Egon Sheila? Mm-hmm. Man or woman? Man. Um, can you tell me anything about him? Um, uh, the very, very little that I remember is like, I don't know, he's German or Austrian. and Oh, so it's fitting because Rolf is Rolf from is... Germany. Oh, I thought he was Austrian. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He just is a dude. Awesome. I'm glad yep. that you brought that to the... <laughs> I can fucking, I'll Google shit. No, 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 please don't. Please don't. I like when you're Um, present rather than researching. I don't know a lot about him. I just, um, I, I recognize him if I saw him. We, the art style. Yeah. We looked at his stuff in art school. Okay. And and the, the way you're shaking your head and rolling your eyes, I'm assuming you're not a big fan. No, actually I really like his stuff. Oh man. I just can't read you at all. Um, I actually ended up looking at a bunch of his stuff today for reference for my project Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's kind of weird. Um, some of his stuff I really, really like and some of his stuff I'm like, Egon Sheila. Yeah. Is it S H E I L A? S C H I E L E. Wow. That is, uh, not how I thought that would be spelled. Um, yeah, so what do you, let's go back to page one really quick because I skipped around. And the foreshadowing of the each chapter, there's a little, um, at the chapter heading, there's a little like circle of art where the chapter heading mm-hmm. is. It's kind of like a little preview. If this does not tell you what this issue is going to be. It's, yeah, especially like his like little it's mis- semi going on there. It's Mr. Potter's face like two inches away from Rolf's trouser, like his, the, the crotch trouser of snake. his, the crotch of his trousers. It's like... Take the pants away and you're looking at a blowjob. Like, we know what is about to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. The story itself, like, this didn't grab me and blow me away as much as other issues. Like, there was other like other chapters that we've read. I have been, like, swept into the story. Mm-hmm. And the writing has, like, just blown my mind and grabbed me and captivated me. Or I found pieces of art that made it impossible for me to continue reading because I had to sit and stare at these pieces of art. Um, but we just we kind of knew what we were going to get into at the beginning of this issue, and it it's just a mirroring of the other. So yeah, it's, the storyline's not there's shocking. Like there's a lot that came up in it, which I thought was interesting, and it wasn't like um, it wasn't like I was shying away from it because you know like I've I've every other issue has been either like straight or lesbian. I think this is our first overtly gay. Well, I guess there was the two the two guys that yeah. the hotel manager's mm-hmm. painting, but I would say that this is the this well this is the first exclusively gay issue that we've read. Um and I wanted to we've kind of fallen out of the habit of asking each other, but so we're it's erotica, we're reading erotica. You mm-hmm. said at, while we were reading or after you had read it a couple of days ago that this was a like surprisingly sexy issue for you. Yeah, um gay porn doesn't usually get me. But there's something about this issue that I was like, hey, this is really sexy. Hmm. I was trying to uh, I was that was one of the things that I was wondering about was 
do you, because there's a, that's a thing like men love men love lesbian porn mm-hmm. Not obviously generalization but like the the whole like oh lesbians are so hot I love lesbians but then guys are also like ooh, straight guys there's that, that right. whole stereotype of like ooh I don't ooh gay, gay guys ooh oh god don't show mm-hmm. me but so I was wondering if the reverse is true for women because I know that I, most of the women I know don't have a problem with lesbian porn at all. And some, a lot of them find it really hot. But I also don't know many women who are into gay porn. So I was wondering, is that a thing? Do you, is like... I don't know. Not you personally, though? Not interested no, in gay I, porn? No, it's kind of like, I don't understand why... I mean, I guess I do understand why straight men are into lesbian porn. Mm. But I, gay porn obviously is not for me. And it's, I'm not their target audience. I'm not, you know, somebody that would be engaging in Which is kind of weird because porn. I would argue that most lesbian porn is for men. But we talked right. about this last we week where almost yeah. all porn is for men. Right. Because that's how the industry is structured and run. Okay. So I guess just because, like, I'm not their target audience. One, it's not something that I've sought out. Mm-hmm. Two, I know that game i logically know that gay men wouldn't be attracted to me okay so <laughs> even though I, why would i be inserting myself in it, it just even logically though, my brain's like meme they're not interested in you so though when men watch lesbian porn they're like you know like, maybe it's a monkey brain thing i yeah, don't know it could be, i don't know um so what was it about the issue that you thought was hot i honestly have no idea really yeah i don't know um so just something about it you responded to the one thing I really, really enjoyed was the the little the. It might have been the like dominant submission thing. Interesting. Yeah, I really liked the the panels of smut. I thought those were the way that they're. Um, I don't know. I've always liked that whole like sort of bohemian, seedy, like underground club. Like my favorite scenes from um, Penny Dreadful are the ones with Dorian Gray. um, Particularly in that vein are the ones with Dorian Gray. Where Mm -hmm. Dorian Gray goes to see like a rat terrier just 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 slaughtering rats because Mm. it is like a debauched thing to do. Right. Because it's a dive down into the filth of London and he holds himself so high above it that it's like you don't think so? No. I feel like he revels in it. But that, but he only revels in it because he is so far above it. It's like the, it's like the most rarefied connoisseur way to do it. Because look at his house; he lives in this fabulous mansion and holds balls and parties, immaculate manners, knows every different type of dance, and he's lived for so long. Like when we fir- are first introduced to him, he's holding an orgy at his house, and he's not engaging; he's just observing. And I think the reason is because he has lived so long and gone so far and seen so much that. He doesn't need to partake anymore. That's mm-hmm. not really his thing. His thing is just observing the insane debauchery around him and the way that like a, a fine like a someone who is a like a connoisseur of wine will take like a sim, a single sip or will just relish the scent of a taste and doesn't need to sit there and drink the whole bottle and get drunk and oh my god I'm having f-. like we're not talking about that right now though we're talking about this book yeah but that's why i like these that's why i like the the smut that idea of uh of yeah i guess that doesn't apply at all <laughs> never mind forget i said anything all right what else you got uh, I'm... um 
Rolf really makes a big deal out of Dorothy's being a farm girl. Did you notice that? Everybody does. Why? Just, they all do. Very, why? very earthy, very uncultured, very, uh, you know, like she's just a farm girl. I mean, both men say it at one point. Both of them are very dismissive. And actually, so does Alice. Alice talks about her being like very um, countryish or whatever and then t- insults her feet. I don't know. Um, I thought that was kind of strange as well. I, I, but, you know, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I think the um, art on page three, panel five, is... I have a note about the same one! What's your note? Yep. Stunning. Yeah, me too. I think it's my favorite piece of art in the book thus far. Yeah, the uh, the way she uses the color, just yeah. the hints of color there on the toned paper... Um, especially the, uh, the hint of a, like, dark blue, almost like a blue purple Mm -hmm. against the yellowish background. The contrast really draws your eye. And I just think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I I like the unusual colors as well. She, she definitely controls where your eye goes using Mm -hmm. the colors, but I, I really liked, um, I just liked the strangeness of like the blue hair and the yellow. Yeah. This is, um, a direct reference to a self portrait that he did. Okay, yeah, it's gorgeous. The, that was speaking of though the, of this particular piece of art. There's another one at the very end of the issue. The the penises in this issue are strange and yeah, don't. Yeah, they're kind of weird looking. Well, they don't yeah. behave the way that dicks behave in my personal having a dick experience. <laughs> like they both they seem that they seem like broken in the middle, right? Am I wrong? Because, I mean, like, um, they're kinda, go to the last... I guess they're kind of curvy, weirdly curvy. He's sitting down, right? Mm-hmm. Even if he's semi-hard, your dick does not go straight up your stomach and then bend at a 45-degree angle and then stick straight out into the room. Like, that's that looks like just, like, broken, like it broken in 45. And then when you go back to page five, which is not taking anything away from it, it sort of... it does. This one sort of hangs, but then once you get, like, let's say, like, three inches of hang or whatever it 45s that one doesn't bother me the only one that really caught my eye as being strange was the one on page four and then the one at the very last panel yeah that last panel Um, dick is kind of weird and this might be a style thing okay um because egan sheila did like very strange um kind of angular anatomy Mm -hmm. and did exaggerated um like arms, like the um, like features, he kind of s- would stretch and warp things. Oh, okay. So this might be kind of a nod to that. Interesting. Yeah, you, know, you know, artistic um, liberty, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um. So what I I really liked the the way that I mean in the way that in the last issue the seven deadly sins sort of talked about what we were seeing in the panels this one does as well but i think this one does it much more subtly mm-hmm. because lord henry the story that the things lord henry says to dorian gray and the experience of dorian gray and lord henry in those panels is essentially saying that that vice is best seized when it's young and ripe because there's plenty of time to be good but you can't be but the opportunity to be bad it does not often present itself when you're old. He <laughs> says he says something like vice um it says virtue like virtue has no season or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that's the panel where we get the old balding man and the timid young 
boy with the cat who's not like these two are not engaging with the mm-hmm. crowd because this guy's like this guy's old and he's shy and he's beyond his prime and he's skinny and bony and he's not out there because he's basically missed his shot um i think that's an interesting idea like when you're young you know your body can handle or handle better than when you're old like the weird drugs or like the night of drinking mm, or like mm-hmm. the or you are young and attractive and the ability to have a bunch of sexual partners or engage in like strange sexual things that right. you're interested in is there whereas when you're 65 years old if one of your fantasies is like you know to be in a room full of you know young boys and fuck all night your body just might not handle that anymore <laughs> so lord yeah i liked lord henry's assertion he's like you know like vices for the young because virtue has no has doesn't age basically mm-hmm. like mother teresa she's she's awesome she's rocking her virtue because virtue is just being good and when you're old it's easy to be good it's not so easy to be bad when you're old it it starts to look unseemly um and then he kind of comes back to it too later where he says um god where is it oh when uh, dorian gray is watching uh, this is on page five, panel five, when Dorian is watching um, the three men. The the one boy is just sort of like lounging on the couch and two other men are like l- um, just heaping attention on him. Mm-hmm. And Lord Henry says, or the quote is, um, why? Because he notices Dorian blushing and he's like, oh, you're blushing. And he goes, why, I wonder, should we only feel ashamed regarding that which causes pleasure? Were we capable of being shamed by misery? the world should be entirely more agreeable. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's just this issue that I remember reading that from. I feel like that's a quote from something or, or a reference to an idea that was proposed by somebody else. It might be that um, that philosopher, William James, that I started reading because Captain Kirk reads, <laughs> or because Captain Picard reads yeah. him in Star Trek. I think that's a William James idea, which is uh, basically like, why do we feel ashamed of things that make us feel good? Why don't we feel ashamed of all of the misery and suffering in the world? And I, I mean, think about that idea. Like mm-hmm. if we saw starving children and we're shamed, like utterly as ashamed as we are when we like have a weird, like an, a weird desire that we're ashamed of or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I liked, I liked that idea, which is basically a bohemian one, which is like, look, if it makes you feel good and it makes other people happy do it go for it don't fucking worry about the you know the the moral um posturing of others you know the the, be humanist rather than moralistic Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of this panel Mm -hmm. um does this guy who's laying here remind you of anybody no not really frankenfurter from Mm -hmm. rocky horror picture show no, no, not really. Oh, okay. But you, uh, panel pa- uh, page five, panel five reminds you of Frankenfurter. Yeah, because his face is kind of pale, and he's got the like bright red lip okay. and the dark hair, mm-hmm. and then this red like band across his chest is kind of like the red corset or waist oh, cincher gotcha. that he's wearing. Okay, and then it kind of looks like he's wearing stockings. He is definitely wearing stockings. So. I was kind of wondering about this about the panel, but it, more about the writing. Um, do you think, well, and also the, this image in, and what we're seeing in this issue in conjunction with the writing, um, do you think that that is about this book too, in general? Why should we be ashamed of that? Which brings us pleasure because we have run, we've had like 50 discussions so far about 
how controversial and strange and taboo and taboo shattering this book has been do you think this is alan moore sort of like taking us aside as readers and being like look i've shown you some fairly fucking extreme things in the last Mm -hmm. six issues or eight issues that you've read so if you are feeling conflicted lord henry says to dorian gray if you're feeling conflicted about the things that you're seeing and getting all riled up about them just take a moment and realize that being like feeling good and feeling pleasure and things that bring you pleasure and happiness are not necessarily bad things. Mm-hmm. And then he, he is he is Alan Moore sort of helping put this book into the context of like your fantasies are your own. And if the fantasies that you're seeing are affecting you in ways that make you ashamed, maybe don't feel it. Maybe you shouldn't be feeling ashamed. Maybe mm-hmm. you should just be maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. I was kind of curious about that. Um, so, um, can we start page four, panel four? Yeah, of course. Um, and continuing. So they have anal. Um, mm. We haven't seen any anal play before this, have we? Uh, none, that, none that comes to mind, no. I I liked that um, they didn't shy away from anything concerning mm. anal. Yeah, they totally go. They just like. They address They it go all. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they have with every sex act we've seen mm-hmm. so far. That's true. There's nothing. We've we've we haven't seen any taboo at all. There is nothing in this book that is taboo. There's no squeamishness about this at all. Later on in the book, much later on, we're going to see, um, which is bizarre because of the time period this is set in. We're going to see. Um, I think the name of the fetish is Andromedophilia, and it's Andromeda. It's androids. We're gonna see an what? we're gonna see android fucking later in this book. Interesting. Yeah, which is strange because it's set in Kansas in like the 1920s. This isn't Kansas. Oh, it's in one. Oh, of, it's in. Okay. I was I was reading ahead a little bit, gotcha. and one in. It's way later in the book. We'll get to it in like months. But um, Dorothy has a weird fantasy where she's a robot, and it's like holy shit. <laughs> we're rendering like like H.R. Giger fantasies in this uh, in this book. They don't. They cover everything, man, and they mm-hmm. don't. There's there's nothing that they're weirded out by. I love that, that it's all-encompassing and, like, all-embracing. And also practical and realistic. Go ahead. So coming back. Yeah. Um, so Rolf clearly has done this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least once, I would assume, multiple times. Yeah. I so think, we can solidly say that he's bi. Yeah, definitely. Rolf has, yeah. Rolf has had many liaisons with both sexes. That's what I would say. He, yeah. the way, yeah, the way he be, it's, he's utterly cavalier about the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like he immediately, like right off the bat, he starts, they're sitting on the couch next to each other, just talking about like, their maybe like pseudo gay experiences when they're young. Mm-hmm. And then Rolf just grabs his dick and throws his drink away. And, yeah. He literally chucks the glass. I thought that yeah, was funny. Potter's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm rubbing your hard cock because you are clearly You're aroused into by it, this. I'm aroused so. by this. Let's have sex with each other. And Potter's like, no, no, you mustn't. And then mm-hmm. Rolf goes down, immediately goes down on him. It's, it's so Actually, abrupt. Um, I noticed that Mr. Potter doesn't say no at any point. He just questions or even, what's happening. Yeah. Or even really like try to fend him off. He doesn't specifically say, yeah, whereas the the ravishment of Mrs. Potter, she distinctly says no and stop mm-hmm. many times. Mr. Potter's kind of just like, oh, what are you doing? What is this? Oh, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what? But there's never oh, any. Oh, we shouldn't do it. Yeah. The only time he gets close is when later he says, you when um, after he, Rolf has finished fucking him, 
and says, now go down on me. Mr. Potter's like, he says, like, it's that's not that's hygienic. Not you can't make me. And then Rolf goes, I think you want me to make you and forces him to go down on him. So, like, this issue, we get gay ass to mouth. Yep. We go all We've gone all the. I mean, no. That's it, that was one of the things where I was like, they're they're not shying away from anything. No, but we're. I mean, we will go further. But yeah, like here we here we are. Like the, it's. I really think that they they managed to gradually raise the stakes and mm-hmm. raise the bar really really well. Yeah. We start with sort of light fetish in the book with like the shoe thing. Yes. And then we get sort of gently introduced to like uncomfortable things like um because i would say when we get to wendy and we get all the incest stuff and like the maybe like pseudo rape stuff we were gently introduced to that with alice's story because that's what's happening Mm -hmm. but they don't show us that they show us what she's fantasizing instead or the like the weird like trippy hallucinogenic experience Mm -hmm. she has instead so that when we eventually get to the did they happen in that order yeah um yeah dorothy alice is before alice is before wendy oh alice's story come where a um, bunny comes in and is you know molesting her comes before wendy has that really extreme experience so they kind of gradually ramp things up not ramp things up but they want they kind of uh they turn the temperature in the pot up a little bit so you Mm -hmm. don't realize you're boiling until right you know, Mr. Potter's on his knees and Rolf is coming all over his face. And then you're like, wow, we've we've really gone <laughs> gone a long way from the the like light shoe fetish at the beginning of the book. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I thought this was a really interesting treatment of gay experiences. Oh, I had a note from way earlier. We don't have to flip back to it. But page two, we find out that Rolf had a commandant at the military school that he went to who used to go down on him. <laughs> and I was thinking, that's actually really interesting because there are two gay men who I know, two friends of mine, whose first homosexual experience was in boot camp, was in the military. Both of them had sex with either a drill sergeant or um, one of their superior officers and like had affairs with their, uh, you know, like, tri- it's not a is, is it still an affair if like you're both single? It's that was the no. that was a term though, right? Like, oh, I had a love affair over the summer. Oh, yeah, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they they had things with. So and uh, one of my friends, I'm being careful to avoid names, but one of my friends was like, I wasn't even entirely sure I was gay until and now he's like, <laughs> he is. He, oh, yeah, completely. He just uh, he just runs around with rainbows just shining off of him all the time. He's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that started in the military for him. And I was like, wow, you know, that really doesn't surprise me at all. You don't think so? Why? No. Why not? Um, I think that a lot of men go into the army or do things like that is like mm-hmm. um like in denial or trying to force themselves to be straight so like sure. what's the most like straight masculine sort of thing you can imagine go, go be in, in the military, the military yeah. yeah um and also you're just surrounded by men all the time yeah it used to be a thing in sparta so yeah, yeah that's true um so page seven, panel three, this, for whatever reason, I mean, I know we don't have to go like super deep dive if you don't want to, but this whole, um, but I think that it, this is where Potter says like, please, like you can't make me 
you know, like suck you after you've been in my ass. That's unhygienic. I'm horrified. He and he is. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, this is, oh my God, this is beyond the pale. But his hand is here. Oh yeah. Pulling yeah. that oh, no, dick I, in. I, I agree with mm-hmm. Rolf. I agree with Rolf 100%, which is weird because this doesn't trouble me in the slightest. The last issue troubled me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think what we're doing here is watching rape. This one, not at all, because I think he's right. Mm-hmm. The like, I think what you want is for me to make you. And then he basically starts like face fucking this old man, which yeah. <laughs> the sentence face fucking this old man as it came out of my mouth. I was like, this is how did I get to this point in my life where this is what I'm talking about? <laughs> but it's it's actually like really well rendered. Melinda Gebby's such a such a master. It's it doesn't seem like it, it does seem lascivious, but it's hot lascivious. You know, the 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 violation the force of it mm-hmm. the, the aggression and the in some senses the taboo not just you know the because the I, I wouldn't say that homosexuality is even remotely taboo anymore among maybe not between us not between yeah. us no but the uh you know like i wouldn't call that taboo but the use of force and the like the the the, the primalism of what we're watching mm-hmm. is maybe still a touch taboo it's and it's exciting you know, like there, there's been a couple straight issues in here. Straight, I mean, by straight, I mean like people recounting their first early sexual experiences, masturbating or with like male partners, that haven't excited me as much as just this last page. And I'm straight. I was like, damn, Rolf, <laughs> jeez, brah. But yeah, there's there is something very sexy about you know having your hands pinned down. Mm-hmm. And the be- the thing the thing about it too is. When you have your hands pinned down and, you know, like your your partner's like, and now you're going to do this for me. You're never like, oh, I really didn't want to do that. You're like the just the act of having your hands pinned down ramps up that sexual energy so much that even if it's something you were hesitant to to do before having the choice to not do it, not having the option to chicken out, even though like it's something you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to to express like this complex sexual feeling that I've personally experienced <laughs> often, which is like there's something I want to do, right? But I have that weird like Christian governor <laughs> somewhere mm, in the deep. The sub- little angel on your shoulder going, "No, you shouldn't." Right, and that angel's so battered and beaten at this point. <laughs> but like, I did grow up that way, so there's some things where my deep subconscious mind is like, "You mustn't," because if you cross that threshold, you'll never come back. Like, you know, it, there's a there's a hesitancy. Whatever mm-hmm. is making that happen, I'm just like, oh, like you know, my body wants it. I shouldn't, but I want to. Your body wants it. Your brain wants it. But that like weird fucking little voice is like you. Or or it's a la- it's like your courage fails you right when you get to the line. Mm. You're like, oh, I want it so bad, and then you hit the line, and you're like, I can't, and then you regret it later, where you're like, I'm so chicken shit. I had a chance to X, Y, or Z, and I mm. didn't. And then just all, sometimes all it takes to like get get the engine into the red is just having your hands pinned, being told that you can't, or being yeah being ordered. Where the option to chicken out. I mean, of course, it's taken away from you. Right. Of mm-hmm. course, you could be like, no, I'm not going to and leave that option. Right. But having that's the, the whole like. Right. You you live in the, it's it's like this like this little fantasy bubble that you are in. And in that world, 
you have no choices left. Now you have to do this thing. And you want it so desperately that you go with it. You play mm-hmm. with it. You're like, oh, no, my hands are pinned. I have to do it, I guess. I can't not do it. You fucking could. It's ridiculous. Right. You absolutely could. But having someone take the choice away from you, I think, is in Im- quotes immensely freeing. Mm-hmm. You know, like and but in a, in a weird way, maybe not in quotes. That's the that's the danger that makes it so exciting. Right. Like, is this even really my choice anymore? But that in a, in a good way mm-hmm. where you're like, I don't think I, I don't know if I, I mean, you, you could, but maybe you couldn't. There's a weird razor's edge of danger that is so fucking exciting right there. Anyway, sorry. You, you seem <laughs> totally disinterested. So I'm, I'm just, just like, yep, I'm just, I get it. I, I think we get it. Yeah, I know. But like, th- never mind. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. Um, I dug it. So next issue. I've, I mean, do you have anything else for this? I have nothing um, else for this issue. Yeah, I I did just realize during this issue that um, they never have sex. Um, Mr. Potter and Mrs. Potter never have sex. It's, he basically like expressly says that they don't. Right, because she's so innocent and she would never. She'd never like sully herself or something or, like yeah. that. Um, and I was like, ah, interesting. Yes, they're in a completely sexless relationship. Um, and I also have a note here, laburnum question mark. I'm not sure. What I was that's wondering if it was a if it was a misspelling of laudanum. I could look it up. I don't know what it is, oh, okay. but uh, I'm assuming. I I cool. don't think Alan Moore makes mistakes like that, so I'm assuming it's some sort of derivative of laudanum. Okay, that would be my best guess. Um, so so the straw man. Chapter 14. Chapter 14, The Straw Man. So we, you know, knowing who our characters are, this is the the Scarecrow right. from The Wizard of Oz. The art style has an, a, a sort of abrupt change. The art gets very different on page one. Um, what do you mm. think of that? And I mean, of course, when we go, you'll notice when you go to like page five and page four, the right. flashback has its own art style, too. But the bookending pages, one and eight. What we're really doing there. It's weird when you look at just panel one, like having read the rest of the book, if you didn't know, if you didn't know that these must be our characters, I wouldn't have recognized any of them. The art style is very, very, very different, but I like it. I wrote that down. Mm -hmm. I like the, the shifting palette of art styles. I think it, it works and I think it shows, it allows you to sort of relish the range of the art. So I was I was a fan, but uh, did you not have a note? Did you if you didn't notice, then I would say it's not a not a thing. But I definitely noticed it, and I dug it. Uh yeah, I noticed it because I think panel two is absolutely beautiful. I, I agree. think um, Dorothy's really stunning. Mm-hmm. Did um, you notice her thighs? Uh, what about them? You can see these vertical lines. Oh yeah, lines, it's, she's coloring with marker. But no one else has that. In any other, she has specifically long vertical lines. She does. Yeah, well, she has some modeling, but it's not like this. I don't see that anywhere else. I mean, panel three, we could talk about how amazing Wendy's back and butt look, but we've already talked, like, you know, ad nauseum how amazing Melinda Gebby's figures are. Her her anatomy, her understanding of a human figure, the way that in the first panel, Wendy's breasts actually hang. Mm-hmm. They all do, 
but in that first panel, they're they're hanging and sort of sagging off to the side because they're full heavy breasts and they don't stick straight out because right. you know they're not balloons. These are not Marvel DC boobs. These are Melinda Gebby drawing a woman's breasts. It's really refreshing to see. I I don't know. I liked the. You can see it's like seeing Van Gogh. <laughs> Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Uh, one thing that Austin Hummel always loved, he loves Van Gogh, and what he likes about it is that you can see each stroke, that the work itself is visible because he's painting so heavily, which is your big criticism because his paintings weren't painted to survive because they're like, what, they're so heavy and slapped together. Like they the fall apart. paint is like crumbling off. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so do you got anything else for... Um, I mean... I just, I fucking love them. I like the colors together the first thing i noticed was the joke in panel one about how uh (laughs) how mr potter couldn't sit still at breakfast Mm, he can't sit mm -hmm. still at breakfast because rolf was just tapping that that ass ass. yeah so he's a little sore in the morning which i thought was really funny um also he's probably feeling guilty yeah definitely um wendy seems kind of melancholy in the beginning of the issue um i don't know just the way she's rendered and the way that she talks she seems excited later like after hearing dorothy's story but Mm -hmm. and but she's always melancholy yeah i had a i had a, a thought about um the we had a question about how like her skin tone is being sort of changed or altered or like to define exactly what it is because they even have dialogue about her coloring Mm-hmm. I was wondering, do you think that her family, that her fam, her like her dad was like a that her family might be a colonial family? I don't know what like time. Like maybe he brought home an Indian wife or something like that. So she's like half Indian, half British, or because I'm not sure exactly what time period this is set in, but. You know, given the the timeline of, of the stories themselves, like the mm-hmm. Alice Wendy stories, it, it's conceivable that there might still have been British colonies in like um, like parts of Asia or like something like that. I don't know where does where does India fall? Is India considered part of? Oh my God! What? Maybe her mom was um, Japanese. Because the Brits had um, trading like a lot of yeah, pretty extensive contact with the Japanese. Yeah, I mean she could and she wears that like kimono style dress a Mm -hmm. lot. She but she could be she could also conceivably be northern or southern African because there was colonies there like in the Congo like they had uh, the East India Trading Company had India is distinct from Asia, isn't it? The the like. East, uh, I don't know. The East India Trading Company was located like near the uh, there was it wherever Heart of Darkness is. <laughs> I don't fucking know anymore. But anyway, um, I, I was wondering maybe that could be the, the thing. Like maybe. one of her parents might be from one of Britain's colonies, mm-hmm. and that would explain why. But it's, I, I mean, there. I would. I think we're really just trying to explain a mistake. Yeah. Well, it's not a mistake though because it's in the writing. It's in the dialogue. This mm-hmm. is not like a coloring error. This is a thing. I'm so what I think it is is the early art is a mistake before Melinda Gebby got the script that references her coloring in particular, and then Gebby did her best to correct after they'd already published. That's mm-hmm. my best guess. I, w- I will say um, no more about it. I don't know. She could even be um, half I- Irish or 
Scottish or Welsh mm. and have slightly different coloring than just the normal English men. I guess. I feel like they're they're kind of trying to make her darker than the other two women, though. Although she's pretty close to Dorothy's coloration. But Dorothy did grow up in Kansas and got a lot of sun. We see a lot of sun in this issue. Um, do you have anything for page two? The, I have a note about the silver shoes because in the original book, the shoes are silver because the book is an allegory for the gold standard. So Dorothy walks in silver shoes on the road that represents the gold standard. It's a big uh, book. It's a book about the American economic model. It's a wow. God, that's so boring. <laughs> so fucking boring. We learned about it in. Um, you remember that uh, class I had with uh, Gabe Logan, motorcycle man? He broke it down for us because we were talking hmm. about the unions and stuff. And he mm-hmm. was saying, like, you guys know the story of the Wizard of Oz? And we're like, yeah, man, if you play Pink Floyd albums to it, man, it gets you, like, all tripped out. And Pink Floyd's <laughs> genius. And he's like, no, it's a book about the gold standard. And this this guy's criticism of the gold standard and how it was all a sham. That's why the wizard is just, oh. like, a little guy behind the... And there's actually nothing to back it up. <laughs> Because it's just a man behind a curtain. Right, it's all fake. Yeah. Right, it's all just a facade. So it's it's a <laughs> political allegory. But anyway, yeah, he gets the det- that detail right. The the shoes are silver in the book. So interesting. I was glad when I, I I didn't it didn't click for me before, but because we were talking about like the ruby slippers, the ruby because sli- everyone knows the movie. Right. But I remembered that detail when I saw her buying them, and I'm like, oh my god, he is referencing the books. So mm-hmm. he stayed true to that motif. He's ignoring the Hollywood production. We're going from the books. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I noticed that we're doing, like, this is like Dorothy's theme or something, artistic theme. The the wide horizontal panels and the um, majority of the coloring being yellows and browns and reds. Do you have a theory about it? Because I do fucking kansas man yeah the wide panels are like the wide flat plains of kansas and then the colors are like the kansas exactly exactly my (laughs) my grandpa lives in kansas and it's the it is that color (laughs) you drive into kansas and like everything is brown and yellow that's all you see is like corn and trees and (laughs) that's it and dirt there's dirt everywhere and there's flat i've never been anywhere flatter than kansas it's insane there's not even like a one foot hill anywhere it's if you put a I marble. There were mountains in Kansas. Not where I was, near Vassar. Like when we were driving through Kansas, it was just what you're making. No. This, you're making the strangest face I've ever seen. <laughs> just listening. When we drove, when we drove through Kansas, it was like you could have put a marble anywhere in the state, and it wouldn't have moved. Like it's stunningly flat. It's so flat that 15 minutes of driving, you will fall asleep from boredom. You have to drive in 10-minute bursts in Kansas because everyone's constantly <laughs> bored out of their minds. Um, also, it's just Kansas, so everybody's bored out of their minds. Oh, is something starting with her uncle? Okay, so I wanted to bring this up, too. What the fuck? Okay. Why Why did she stumble over talking about her aunt and uncle? She, yeah, because she, she did she, it last time, too. Well, and in the what's beginning the of the deal? book. Are they... I don't think they are her aunt and uncle, maybe? So who are they? I don't know. In relation to her. But she's always, she does check herself, and, like, she's about to talk about him, and she's like, my uh, aunt and uncle? It's like she's lying. It's like they're not her aunt and uncle. Right. I don't know. Mm. I really don't. I have no idea, but it is... He's, he's done it twice now. 
so is it i like or maybe is did something weird happen with her aunt and uncle it seems to she's we seem to be getting the setup for she's gonna have a weird thing with her uncle and a later chapter we're also getting the setup of her aunt is the fucking most ugly woman I've ever seen. Oh my, my god! Life. I actually asked if she's supposed to be the Wicked Witch of the West. I think so. Okay. I think we're, she's being set up as the Wicked Witch of the West, but <laughs> she's hideous. It's crazy. She, and she just looks so angry all the she's, time. Oh yeah, she's like that like sour grape face lady mm-hmm. that you see everywhere. Um, I of course, how could you not, or how could I not? I guess I have a fucking note, page two, panel three, va va voom, rower. What them titties? This that whole that whole like draped out yeah that whole thing but yeah her her breasts are incredible that is a super super sexy panel the it's a fake it's but it's a Melinda Gebby figure drawing and you can't yeah not have a sexy Melinda Gebby figure drawing I mean fuck that's the most realistic male torso page three panel one that I think I've ever seen like for like a muscular male torso he's not yeah. like negative one percent body fat. <laughs> <laughs> you know like 20- Right like he's kind of thick Yeah he's he's thick all over Like that when you see a muscular Torso that's what it looks like It doesn't look like he's been shooting steroids Like directly into his heart for like the last Right, and when you say muscular torso, you mean like a working man's body, not like somebody who is seeking out aesthetics. Right, like all superheroes, just a functionally muscular body. All superheroes are are like the most blown up bodybuilders you can like their bodybuilder physiques. Whereas, (laughs) right, right. Whereas um, our scarecrow character, the straw man, is like just like a guy who looks like he tosses hay bales around, which is what he does. That's so he's got the right body for his job and he's got a realistic body for the art style which Mm -hmm. so far has been fairly realistic except where you know like bent penises are part of an homage to a germ or to an austrian (laughs) artist but yeah so my that was my big note for this issue was panel three is so damn sexy she looks really young there though um well, Probably she is. pretty young. She is, but well, okay. Do you want, should we even? Should we even? Or should we just pass eh, over no, it? No, we'll okay. just move along. Because we again, let's remember, she's a drawing. It's a drawing. Yeah, this is not a person at all. Okay, so I have a note like that. I think she is like fifteen in these drawings. Yeah, I I would say that's inappropriate. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah. So Vavavum art being amazing. Mm-hmm. Page five, panel one. There's Dorothy running away. Into the fields or whatever And just her cute little tush Mm -hmm. And her like legs I just thought that was a great drawing and It's cute Cute? Okay wait 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 Um, So we're on page 5 Do you want to jump back to page 4? Because I have some notes on Actually page 4 my notes might be a little tricky to talk about So let's talk about page 5 really quick (laughs) Um, Page 5 panel 3 Is Another one of those panels Where I just see it And freeze and try to take in every detail. This is stunningly beautiful. The fact that both their eyes are closed, I love because of Mm -hmm. the content of the issue, which is right here she's talking about how there's nothing to him. He has no, he's dumb. Mm -hmm. He's pretty and big and he's got that D, but he's dumb and she can't relate to him or talk to him. There's no conversations. Right. In the top panel you were talking about, she says like, he grabs my titties a couple times. He kisses me once. He gets his hand in my pants and then we're fucking and nothing else ever happens because he's just a dumb, he's a dick. Mm -hmm. He's a dick attached to a bunch of like pretty meat. So 
I like this third panel where both their eyes are closed because they're relishing that like sexual moment, but the closed eyes, they're complete. They're together. They're not connected at all. Mm-hmm. It's, they're cut off from each other. And I really liked that. Um, I do have a note that that might be my favorite breast so far. I don't know what it is. I think it's part because it's partially hidden. And it really? might, I don't know what I, cause the nipples like weirdly small in my opinion. I can't explain it. I, I'm, I would say the panel two is a sexier boob where it's all like smooshed out and smooshed up against his chest. I, I think that's part of what I like. Not the smushed, but the, <laughs> not the smushed. Boob. I like the smush. I'm not into smush boob, <laughs> but I don't know. I think what it might be is the way that her neck and collarbone come down and then her breast flares. Just kind of hangs. It fe- yeah. I, I really get a sense of weight in the hangs third panel. Like a boob should hang. Yes. And I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I, you know, I th- I think that might be what it is. Is there something about the line, like the honest? Honestly, I think if you even took out the color and the detail and just gave me this this outline, the mm-hmm. silhouette, because it's a white background, so we get like you know, if the if you could just color that black and it would be recognizable ish what's happening. If you just gave me the outline of her, I still think that that breast would be appealing to me. It's something about that line, the that particular outline of her neck, collarbone. And the the hang the way that her breast is hanging is just really really it appeals to me. I like the aesthetics of that drawing quite a lot. That's fair. Let's go back to page four because now I'm, right. now I'm gonna say stuff and you're gonna be like, what the fuck? Um, what do you think of the panel one? You know, I hadn't thought anything about it um, until I was looking at it just now, mm-hmm. and I think the lighting is weird, and I think it's kind of wigging me out actually, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to mean something. The lighting? Um, yeah, because we've got this like um, sort of um, the light. film noir style uh, like slatted lighting. Mm-hmm. And she's being bisected, like perfectly bisected oh, by one of the um, beams of light. Yeah. It. Well, he's the, what the image is. Dorothy is laying on her back. And uh, I would never fuck in straw or hay. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. yeah. And Rolf, uh, not Rolf, the straw man is pulling off her panties. She's wearing her silver shoes and light is streaming in through the cracks in the barn door. And uh, it's a, basically like a POV shot of what the straw man is seeing. So she's laying on her back and we're looking like directly between her legs up at her breast and her head is in the far the, the far background but one of the lines i noticed that the like, like that that beam of light that is bisecting her mm-hmm. like runs directly down the like cleft the, of her the edges of her labia yeah yeah so it's like it's like god shining down his light on yeah. the, like like oh check yeah. it out holiest of holies <laughs> Um, but my note on that particular panel is there's something weirdly er- erotic about that panel for me. And I was, I wanted to get your take on that. What do you think? Do I think it's, it's the sexy, it's the shoes, it's the boards, it's the hay, like the, uh, like everything, uh, like the, her surroundings are so like like rustic and dirty and she's in a pile of hay and this barn you get the sense that the barn is kind of shitty and she's clinging to a ladder which i like i like that one hand is flat she looks kind of scared 
and she's clinging to you don't think so i think she looks no i think it's the angle that's kind of making her look like her eyebrows are up Uh uh-huh well uh she does say right here when he started taking all my things off i was scared (laughs) but anyway i think she looks kind of scared but at the same time like her her body language from like the neck down is or or maybe from like the waist down is very like accepting maybe mm-hmm. into it i don't know like i i, I don't know I've, I've always sort of been fond of various stages of undress i think uh i don't know i think panel two there is sexier than panel one really yeah like the the curve of her thigh here where it turns into her ass mm-hmm. and like her leg hiked up over his like shoulder and back area mm-hmm. i think that's sexier okay I, 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 I think, that, okay, panel one to me is sexy and kind of like a risque or naughty or dirty or dark is the wrong word, but in a, that kind of like edgy way. It's not like, God, it's so beautiful. It just strikes me with the, the beauty of sensuality. It almost feels like that, that, little, that little hint of danger, panel one to me, where it's just like, this is... It's like that moment we were talking about earlier where you're like, oh, I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, she's, he's pulling her panties off and then they're having sex and then everything's fine. But this is that moment of you're, you're like fight or flight. You're like the deer. Are you going to be shot or will you flee and live to fight another day or whatever? Like it's, that is that dangerous moment. And I, I think it's captured well. So it gives me that little thrill where I'm just like, oh God, she's like, well, she, this is it. This is the turning point. And then, you know, the rest of it is Melinda Gabby drawing things, which is mm-hmm. fucking beautiful. But I have to say, I really love the writing in panel two here. Mm-hmm. What got me most excited was how worked up I was getting him. Mm-hmm. And that's totally true. Like getting your partner aroused is arousing. Yeah. You know, like seeing how turned on your partner is, is arousing. And I love that he just like includes that in this whole thing. I really like that too. I immediately thought of you when I read it. Um, I don't know why. I, it, as I wrote it down as a note to talk about, which is like, what do you think of this here? Like, do you mm-hmm. find that to be true? Because I've always found that, I mean, obviously like your tastes change from day to day, mm-hmm. but one of the most consistent things that I've in like in our sex life that I've found mm-hmm. really really erotic is when you when I can tell that you are in it and mm-hmm. you're not like I should probably go do some sketching or like oh I wonder <laughs> did I water the plants today you know like nothing kills the mood faster than like hey vacant stare <laughs> like what are you doing right now right and like um when you're really into it and I've like drifted off somewhere and I can like I have a moment where I realize how into it you are. Right. It, it brings, brings me you right back. back. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, cool. So we're on the same page. Um, I don't have anything else till page seven. Okay. I don't like the two page. I don't like the spread. It's the first one that I has yeah. not hit me at all. I'm just like meh. Her legs are really skinny. She looks like unusually thin. Well, it- she is supposed to be like 15. But she's she got cur- sexy legs here. Yeah, but look like if you look, if you look at other depictions of her, she's kind of a little bit curvaceous and her legs are not that skinny. Yeah, she she's, looks thin here. She's thin, but she's not like right here. I don't know. She just looks something about this is not striking me. She looks like too long. It almost looks rushed. The part to me that looks amazing is the scarecrow's face and arms with the heavy clouds. Like if you cut the 
Maybe if you cut this in half and took the bottom half off, I like the top half. I don't know. I think the top half, the yeah, way it's yeah, rendered can, is. I can see that. It's and it's kind of ominous, and because he has no yeah, face, oh yeah, totally is. It's uncanny valley-ish. Where freaky. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. freaky. Um, she definitely has sexy legs. Does all this over. girl ever wear underwear after no. that one panel? No. Why would you? <laughs> why would you ever wear underwear ever again know. after you'd had your moment of sexual discovery? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm wearing underwear right now, but it's only because it's only because I'm sitting in hard chairs, and otherwise I will sweat through my pants and stick stick to the seat. It is stunningly hot here in Michigan this these past two what? days. Humid. And I'm really horrible. comfortable. Right? Are you? Yeah. I'm roasting, but you know me. I run. I always run hot. I'm usually. Yeah, like, you do. <laughs> I wish I had a laboring man's body. <laughs> Or in particular, Melinda Gebby laboring man's body. <laughs> um, you're right. Her legs are great on page seven. Like all these. No, legs this are sexy. one's the one that I was thinking. Um, panel three. I liked that page seven. Panel three is kind of like a. There's a like a, a light thematic touchstone back to the previous issue. Uh, each like that she she's she's got her like fucking shoes on basically you know like she's got her her sexy shoes on she's wearing her sexual armor where she's like mm-hmm. this, this is me and she sees the the yellow brick road like the road leading her away she's like the, there's the world out mm-hmm. there is the world but she also notes that there's the world and in the fields are all these men with their shirts off and each every single different one of them um uh, each one was different there was magic somewhere up the road so i like that she's Girlfriend, there's all these dicks in the world. Why are you fucking just one guy? Exactly. Like she's she's done, or 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 you know, like she's 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 crossed the line. And outside, she like Dorian, like the Lord Henry Dorian Gray thing. Like I'm young. There's a world of sexual experiences I can have. Right. And yeah. she's seizing it rather than what we've seen Wendy turn into, which is like. Ee. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna get more you're like withdrawing within into yeah. herself. There's Wendy has more stories ahead, so of course we're gonna get lots of Wendy having sex. But I kind of imagine that she does not embrace it the same way that Dorian or that Dorian Gray and Alice and you know um, Dorothy have. I like the steam room analogy for Wendy, by the way. Like the mm-hmm. the sort of like the she at the very last panel on page eight. Alice says to Wendy, basically like, um, hey, we all want to hear a story. So, uh, Wendy, we're about to head to the steam room. Why don't you, you know, that seems like a fitting place for you to tell us a story. Mm, basically, like, Because it's steamy? Well, yeah, because last night uh, in the book, last night, they had like crazy sex. Mm-hmm. But also, I like the idea of the steam room, which is like from the outside. You're just in a building. But once you get inside that door, things are hot and steamy and heavy. And also steam i don't know I, I don't know if because they're they're in a sound because i know he how. opens your pores and i'm assuming the steam room because are they they're not in a sauna right now are they is this the sauna i is, don't think so because they're talking about um i think they're just in like a lounging so bathing area when they I head into really the steam room are they heading into conventionally what i'm thinking of as a sauna because when i I have no idea. I don't know either. But when I don't I've, know how I don't know how this works. <laughs> I haven't well, been to the Himmelgarten. That's true. When I've heard of uh, when I thought steam, I thought of steam how steam engines work, which is mounting pressure of heat mm. driving an engine. So like she's closed off. She's 
I don't know. They're all flushed. I think maybe they're in a sauna. Yeah, maybe it's like sauna dry heat versus like yeah, um, they're like, like a steam room where you think of all like a um, bunch of Mediterranean guys sitting around, gotcha, sweating and right. there's just billowing white. Yeah. So anyway, I liked that analogy. Other than that, I have nothing else for this issue. Do you have anything um, else? I just I'm excited to meet the wizard. I'm curious yeah. how um, these different characters are gonna play out for um dorothy especially because dorothy says like oh i found magic and i also found the man responsible for the magic and i'm like what does that mean mean? in in this in this extended sexual metaphor Mm -hmm. like how can you have a man who's responsible for the magic of sex what is that and also knowing that the whole point of the wizard is to show that it's all been a fallacy and all been a lie like what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? How? I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I'm excited. I, to, yeah, I'm ready to see where the stories go. I so far, Dorothy to me is the story I most enjoy reading. Alice as a character is most interesting to me. And every time Wendy opens her mouth, I'm like, please, just shut up. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I like seeing Wendy come out of her shell a little bit, like with that issue despite everything about wendy is troubling and kind of hard to swallow Mm -hmm. but it was good to see however controversial it was it was good to see her broken out of her shell at tea with alice um if it lasts if i mean i'm sure it will i can't imagine that it won't once really once you let that cat out of the bag you think that it's (laughs) that sexy cat exactly what Mm. once the pussy is out of the bag no i think uh i think we're gonna see a lot more of Wide open, like uh, Wendy oh, putting the nope, nope. Wendy putting the pedal to the metal is what I think we're gonna see. Um, I have some notes from last issue. Okay, so we had some questions about some names referenced. One of them was Colette, and that is a reference to Sydney Gabrielle Colette, a French novelist best known for the work Gigi. Okay. Um. She lived from 1873 to 1954. She was also a mime actress and journalist. Oh, interesting. Some Renaissance woman. And then Apollinaire is Guillaume Apollinaire. Okay. French poet and playwright. Oh, my God. Okay, this one. Poet, playwright, short story writer, novelist, and art critic. Uh. 1880 to 1918. Credited with coining the term cubism and orphism. Those are art movements. So interesting. I know about Pretty cubism. Cool. I didn't know. I don't know about orphism. Does orphism is, have anything? It's to basically do? like an off branch of cubism. Okay. I mean, it is an off branch. It's like a strain. A strain of cubism. Strain of cubism. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put it into terms that I can understand. <laughs> strain of cubism. Thank you. Um, so I got nothing else for Lost Girls for this week. Do you? No, or... I don't. Okay, cool. Uh, so we are a listener-supported podcast. And if you like what we do and think that you'd like to help us out a little bit or think that we deserve a little bit of help. Help God, us! God knows we need it. Head on over to patreon.com slash maxpeterson where you can find bonus episodes and all sorts of other awesome content, which you will find on the website um if you want to check out more shows that are done here in the the chat cave here in mm, the, the quill mm-hmm. and quill and film headquarters tc branch um you can head over to quill and film where you'll find another show that i do with my friend carl hartley called measuring flicks if you want to bother me or bird on social media you can find me uh at max j peterson which is on Twitter, or you can find me as actual Max P over on Instagram. Baird, where can people find you? I am pretty exclusively 
on Instagram as the.artist.bird. If you have questions, comments, want to tell us how much you love the show, tell us how disturbed and disgusted you are by the things that we talk about and think that we're going to burn in hell, you can... We would read your letter on air. We would. And you can... (laughs) We might, even if you're nice to us. Um, And you can can send us any email at uh, chatmanandrobinpodcast at gmail.com. Ooh, that's a long one. Ooh, I know, well, I know. I was trying to do CMR podcast. I was trying mm. to find a shorter one, but they were all fucking taken. So I was like, like, no! You know which one's not taken? The longest email address anyone's ever had. <laughs> so Chatman and Robin podcast at gmail.com. Um, we have to thank our um, patrons. Our patrons? Of course we do. First and foremost, right out the gates, let us thank Danielle Pelshaw. Oh. I'm like 99% sure her last name's Pelsha. I've been doing my best to memorize it because we fucked it up so bad last week where I was like, Danielle blah, 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 lady. Danielle lady. Happy Danielle girl. Happy. Happy Danielle girl. The, 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 the Danielle who was so nice and charming and talented whose last name is Danielle. Danielle Danielle. Danielle Danielle. It's like share, but twice as nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm like I'm ninety. Now I'm fading. Now I'm eighty five percent sure, but I think her okay. last name is Pelsha. So thank you so much, Danielle. She is our latest patron, um, for making this and all of our shows possible, and for letting me steal away your man for like literal days at a time. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> just killing any chance that you have of, of uh, you know, any qual- quality, quality time. time together. Um, we also would like to thank John and Casey Shiby. Oh, holla all the time. We got to thank John Casey Scheibe. Um, because he hates it and because this is my goddamn show and mm-hmm. I'm driving this motherfucker and he can't stop me. Thank you, Carl Hartley. Thank you. Oh, Carl Hartley. Carl Hartley. Hartley. We just had the same thought at the same time. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, and then, um, of course, last but not least, we've got to thank Connor Sweeney. Connor Sweeney. Although Carl and I determined that we really shouldn't be giving him as much attention as he is. Well, he's an international oh. villain. Oh. He's just universally reviled. Like a Bond villain? Yeah, the UN is constantly have, having meetings. Like, what to the, the last one, I mean, I'm sure everyone saw it on CNN, what to do about the Sweeney problem. It's all about... You know, I think I did see that. Right? It's been all over the news. It's like, what do we do about that fucking Connor Sweeney and the way that he's, you know, like... Robbing giant diamonds from museums in France, and then you know he's oh cat blur- burglar. No, cat no, burglar. No, clat burglar. Clat burglar. No, it's not just that, but you know, like and then holding nations ransom with nuclear warheads for like <sighs> you know giant payouts, and then he's fighting in the streets of Gotham City and places like that. I don't know. He's just. He's just a pretty universally reviled menace. We sh- really shouldn't give him as much airtime as we do. It's like the Kardashians. If you don't talk about them, if you don't talk about them, they go away and they stop trying to blow up all of Canada and remake it in their own image into oh. Canada, Canada Sweeney. <laughs> I'm fucking tired. I'm so tired. But you know what? Okay. As long as he's using his crimes to bankroll this show, we love him. Thank you, Connor Sweeney. <laughs> that has been Chatman and Robin for this week. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird, Holy Podcast Chatman. Mm-hmm.